All right, we'll say good morning, an incredible daf ahead of us today, beginning by thanking our sponsors, our Kamatora sponsors for the month of Adar. Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the Shurim and Droshos this month in memory of Paul's grandmother, Dina Bas Pesach, his grandfather, Zechariah ben Zechariah, whose yard sites are in the month of Adar. We thank our week of learning sponsors, uh, Kiva Noach and Karen Andrews from Eretz Yisrael, such a beautiful sponsorship for the yard site of Karen's mother, Marshabas David Vechana on the 3rd of Adar. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors, Said and Simahakin, in memory of Mrs. Eden Nabazni. Mother of Barry Nabazni, whose shiv is being observed now. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshamas will have an aliyah and the families a Nechama. And also with that, let us begin. So a lot to do today, Baruch Hashem, a beautiful daf ahead of us. A lot of very interesting halacha. So we are picking up, so today's daf is Pevav 86. And we are picking up, Emir Hashem, on the bottom of Pehem and Beis 85b. Three lines up from the bottom. So Baruch Hashem, if you remember again, the Mishnah, the Mishnah towards the middle of Pehei Amud Beis spoke about the concept of Yotze. So remember, we, we spoke about we spoke about this idea yesterday. We spoke about a Lagabe Tumo, that if you have a piece of carbon that goes out, right, that is that goes out of the, the area where it's supposed to be consumed, obviously, that area is dependent on the carbon. What's the status of the carbon? So now, without getting into halachas of Tumo, the Mishnah just discusses the idea that if you have a piece of carbon Pesach and a limb, Right, a limb extends out, or part of a limb extends out of the walls of Yerushalayim. So the meat that's on that bone becomes disqualified. And again, the Mishnah went through the process of going and appealing back the bone, cutting the bone off at the joint because you can't crack the bone, so on and so forth. We'll say the Mishnah then got into a discussion about doorways. In other words, interestingly enough, I know anything inside of the wall is Yerushalayim. I know anything outside of the wall is outside of Yerushalayim. The interesting question that comes up is, what's the status of the stuff in the wall? So if you remember, again, the Mishnah spoke about the agof. The agof is the doorway, right? It's the area when the door is closed, that it's, that's the area that the door occupies. So the Mishnah said that from the doorway in is Yerushalayim, from the doorway out is outside of Yerushalayim. So again, this, this yielded a little bit of confusion about the doorway itself. We spoke about that yesterday. Then the Mishnah ends off, and this is what we're going to focus on today, the chalonos, the windows, and the thickness of the wall are considered to be like the interior of Yerushalayim. So windows and actual thickness of the wall is like the inside of Yerushalayim. Good. Says the Yimara chalonos, amarav, gagin, ve'alios, lonis, kachu. Well, it's an interesting statement. Rav says, rooftops, rooftops and upper stories we're not sanctified. Now, look at Rashi for just a moment. It's about uh, six lines up, seven lines up from the bottom of Rashi. Gagin valios lones kachu. Ben gage Yerushalayim bikdushas Yerushalayim. Bikachim kalim. Ben gage lishkos hazara bikdushas hazara. Bikdushas kachi akadashim. So, we'll say this has two ramifications. So, rooftops and upper stories are not holy, which means we'll say two things. Let's say kachim kalim. For example, greatest example of kachim kalim, kapan pesach. Right, so we'll say, so now, where do you have to eat Karim Pesach? You have to eat Karim Pesach in Yerushalayim. So when Rav says that upper stories and rooftops are not sanctified, what that means is you must eat your Karim Pesach on a ground level in Yerushalayim. You can't eat your Karim Pesach in an upper story or on a rooftop because upper stories and rooftops do not have Kiddushas Yerushalayim. Furthermore, in the base Hamikdash itself, any carbon that has to be eaten within the precincts of the Beis Hamikdash, which is Kadshe Kadoshim, must be eaten on the ground level, cannot be eaten on a rooftop or on an upper story. 
Okay, interesting idea. Says the Gemara, Ini is that so? Bosei, listen to how beautiful. Listen to how beautiful this is. This might be one of the most beautiful lines you will ever see in your life. So Amr Rav said in the name of Rav that eating a kezaisa carbon pesach and saying halal on the night of the seder paka igra. That I will say paka igra literally means causes the roof to explode. Now, now what does that mean? Look at Rashi. Halal paka igra. Lekol hamulas hamon mehalal. Domin kilo agagin mispakin. That I will say on Pesach night in Yerushalayim, everybody would be singing halal at their seder. And when you would hear everybody singing halal, it was like the roof was ready to explode. So we'll say, so what does that mean? What does that mean? So the Gemara says, my love, top of pevav, my love, the achli be'igra, va'amri be'igra. We'll say, does it not mean that they were eating the carbon Pesach on the rooftops and saying halal on the rooftops? To which the Gemara says, lo, the achli ba'ara va'amri be'igra. No, no, they would eat the carbon Pesach inside the house. But I will say, listen to or paint for yourself this image. They would then go up to their rooftops to say halal. But I say, can you imagine this scene? You're in Yerushalayim on Pesach. You eat your carbon Pesach. And then everybody goes up to their rooftops to sing halal from their rooftops. That was Pesach night in Yerushalayim. Could imagine such a thing like this. So everywhere you turn, you see mishpachos, you see chaburos singing halal from their rooftops in Yerushalayim. will be to see it soon. So Ini the Gemara says, "Is this so?" So in other words, can you do that? Do eat karavizach inside the house and go say halal on the upper story, on the rooftop? But now we learned. In Maftirin Achara Pesach Hafikomon, you can't go and eat anything after the Karim Pesach. And Rav Sebali, that also means you can't go from one group to another group. So Rabbi said, Bepashtos, Bepashtos, where that also means is you don't switch your location over the course of Pesach night. So what do you mean you're, church, you're eating your carbon Pesach in the house and you're going up to Halal, going up to the rooftop for Halal? That doesn't seem to be appropriate. In other words, Pesach is the, the Pesach night, the Seder experience should be observed in one location to which the Gemara Salokashio can b'shasachila, can b'shasachila. No, no, no. When you go ahead and, when you go ahead and you're eating, so eating should not take place in two locations. I was actually going to discuss that. That's our next Mishnah. Eating has to take place in one location. But once you finish eating, you could go to the rooftop for halal. So we'll say that seems to be what they did on Pesach night. They would have, they would go ahead and eat their common Pesach inside the house. And then they would go ahead and go to the rooftop to recite halal from the rooftop. Incredible, incredible. So Tashma, Abishal, Omer, Aliyah, Space, Kachek, Adashim, Chamura. So we'll say, so remember, so we're operating now with the statement of Rav which is that upper stories and rooftops don't have Kiddusha. So remember again, that statement is a two-pronged statement. It means anything that has to be consumed in Yerushalayim must be consumed on the ground level of Yerushalayim, not in an upper story or rooftop. And anything that has to be consumed in the base Hamikdash, Kachek Kadashim, must be consumed on a ground level, not in an upper story or a rooftop. So as it says, in Tashma, Abishal, Omer, so Abishal says, the upper story of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, 
was even holier than a Kodesh HaKadoshim. How so? Shebeis Kodesh HaKadoshim, Kohen Gadol, Nichnas Lo Pam Achaz Bishana, because in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Kohen Gadol would go in there once a year on Yom Kippur. Va'aliyah Beis Kodesh HaKadoshim, but the upper story of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, Ein Nichnasin Lo Ela Pam Achaz Bishavua. They would only go into once a Shemitah, once every seven years. Some say twice every seven years. Some say only once every 50 years. Why? So what's very interesting. So what ha- would happen is, remember the, the, the Kodesh Kadashim was very tall. It had an incredible ceiling height. So the Gemara thing over here is they would only go in there as Machlokas. Once every seven years. Twice every seven years. Once every 50 years. The point is they would go in there very infrequently to see if any repairs were necessary. Now, we'll say, now, what does this sound like? The fact that they weren't going in there every single year. Why? Because it had Kiddusha. So you see from here that even upper stories in the Beis HaMikdash do have Kiddusha, not like Rav said, to which the Gemara says, um, Rav Yosef Mehechel Nekom Venesiv Inish, you can't bring a raya over here from the height of the Beis HaMikdash. That, that's not a fair statement. The Gemara says, "Shiny Hechal, Dechsev Vayitin David Leshlomo Beno, Es Tavnis Haulam Vesbatov Vikuzachov. Sorry, Vikuz Zachov Vaaliosov Vechadarav Hapnimim Ubeis Hakaboros Uksev Hakol Biksav Miat Hashem Alai Haskil." We'll say you can't bring a raya from the dimensions of the Kodesh itself. Why? Because those dimensions were directly handed from David to Shlomo and were given from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to David HaMelech. So when we talk about the fact that in the base HaMikdash, the upper stories, right, the upper stories and rooftops don't have Kiddushah, that's talking about, most remember again, we've seen this, the base HaMikdash itself was a massive compound. We're not referring to over here what we call the Kodesh. Right? Most remember again, the Kodesh was like a T-like structure. You entered into the Ulam, which was a large antechamber, and then you walked into a more narrow Kodesh. That area contained the Shulchan, the Mizbeach, the, Shul- the Menorah. You walked a little bit further, you hit the, kap- you hit the Parochas, the curtain, and then behind the Kodesh Kodeshim. That area, those dimensions were given by a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So of course again, the, that, of course that rooftop and those ceilings or those upper stories of course, do have Kiddushas HaMikdash. When Rav said before that upper stories and rooftops don't have Kiddush in the Beis HaMikdash, that's really talking about the rest of the Beis HaMikdash compound. So also remember again, we've seen, there are so many other chambers in the Beis HaMikdash. Those are not from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Those were created ultimately, again, when they built the Beis HaMikdash. Though the ground level there has Kiddusha, but upper stories and rooftops do not. Pretty incredible. Tashma, Halishkos, Habenuyos, Bakodesh. What's another interesting statement? So we're still continuing with the statement of Rav. Lishkos, what's our chambers? So chambers, Habenuyos, Bakodesh. So if you have chambers that are built in a sanctified area of the Beis HaMikdash, Upsuchos Lechol, but they open up to unconsecrated area. Tochan Chol, Vigago, Sein, Kodesh. The interior of those chambers are considered to be unsanctified, but their rooftops are Kodesh. One second, rooftops Kodesh. Rav, you just told me before that rooftops of temple chambers are not Kodesh. Tirgamar Rav Chista, Bishagago, Sein, Shavan, the Karkas, the Karka Azara. Oh, what's that? What are we talking about over here? These are subterranean chambers. So their actual rooftops are actually level with what? 
with the ground of the Azara. Okay, so the ground. Of, so therefore, again, if your rooftop is level with the ground of the Azara, the ground of the courtyard, then of course, again, the rooftops have kedusha. If that's the case, look at the seifa. What happens if you have these chambers that are built in unconsecrated areas, but they open up to consecrated areas? Their interior is kodesh, but their rooftops are chol. But one second. Ultimately, again, but if you hold that halacha lemaisa, their rooftops are considered are equal, right? Are flush, is that right? Whatever, are, are level with the azar. So their rooftop is really ground level. and ultimately, again, these chambers actually have the status of also of mechilos of tunnels. We've seen this before. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Mechilos lonis kanchu tunnels in the temple compound were not were not sanctified. And I was saying this is actually very interesting. Remember, we've seen this before. The Yomar says they had a tunnel system. One of the reasons they had a tunnel system, well, Shlomo HaMelech built a tunnel system as an escape route. But there was also a tunnel system because remember, they used this when? When? Right. So when Kohanim, when a coin would become Tame. Simple case, coin, coin becomes a Balkari. Has a seminal mission. How do you get him out? Right? How, 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 how do you go ahead? Remember, everything's Kodesh. So remember, the tunnel system was not sanctified. That allowed a Kohen to effectively get out of, get out of the base Hamikdash without having to further spend time in consecrated area. So the Gemara says, We'll say everything depended ultimately again on where the tunnels or subterranean chambers opened. If the subterranean chambers opened to Harabayis, then halacha lamaisa again, then einachinami, the mechilos, the tunnel, subterranean chamber would not be Kodesh. But if it opened up into the Azara, then ultimately again it would be Kodesh. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, Bipsuchos Harabayis, so if the mechila, if the if the literally the tunnel, the subterranean chamber opens into the harabais, then the interior of the chamber does not have kedusha. However, Rashi says the tochan kodesh bepsuchos laazara. But however, so we'll say so. Essentially, simply put the status of the interior of the subterranean chamber is fundamentally dependent on where the chamber opens to. If the chamber opens to a consecrated area, then the interior is Kodesh. If the chamber opens into an unconsecrated area, then the interior is not Kodesh. Vatanya, we learned, Rabbi Huda Omer Mechilos Mitachas Hehechal Chol, yet Rabbi Huda said that the tunnels underneath the Hechal were all unconsecrated. So we'll say, Ki Tanya Hi, Shepsuchos Lechol. Okay, true. That may, it could very well be that a good number of the tunnels were Chol, but I will say, when it comes to so this, is just, this is just a fact. When it comes to determining the status of the interior of a particular subterranean tunnel or subterranean chamber in the base of English compound, the status of that tunnel slash chamber is fundamentally dependent on where it opens to. If it opens to Harabais, meaning outside of the base of English compound, it's Chol. If it opens into the Azara, courtyard of the base of English, it is Kodesh. Another case, Tashma, the Gago Kodesh. 
So I will say the Pasuk says, the Gemara is quoting over here, the Gvegago Kodesh, it's rooftop, right? This is what we just said in the Bryson. This rooftop is Kodesh. Fetisbra, Vahakatani Gagana Lalo, Ain Ochlin Sham Kachek Adoshim, Vain Shoktim Sham Kachim Kalim. But we said elsewhere, I will say that what? That the rooftops of the chambers in the Beis Amikdash compound, you can't eat Kachek Kadoshim there, and you can't Shecht Kachim Kalim there. So we see again, that rooftops are not Kodesh. Again, kind of affirming what Rav said before on Beheyamid Beis. And the Bryce also supporting this idea. So what's going on? What's going on? So, I'm sorry. So the Bryce has said that the Gag is Kodesh. But yet we learn elsewhere that you can't shecht Kachim Kalim and you can't eat Kachim Kadoshim on the rooftops in the Beis HaMikdash compound. So what's going on over here? Velakashya Gago Kodesh. Amradkhan Barguya. Laosan Beis Amos. Rabbi said this is absolutely incredible. No, no, no. When we say that the rooftops are Kodesh, and, or that the upper, the upper chambers are Kodesh, we're talking about for different things. So I will say, right now, where we're coming from is like this. Everyone will agree that in the Beis HaMikdash compound, upper chambers and rooftops, you cannot go ahead and use it in any type of sacrificial capacity. So for example, you can't shecht Kodesh Kadoshim there, and you can't eat Kodesh, sorry, you can't shecht kachim kalim on upper stories, upper chambers, or rooftops. You can't eat kachim kadosh. So nothing sacrificial can be done in upper chambers or rooftops in the Beis HaMikdash. When the Bryce has said that the upper chambers are kodesh, what it means is you are allowed to store there certain building utensils or certain types of service utensils for the Beis HaMikdash. So it could be used, interestingly enough, as consecrated storage. As consecrated storage, incredible. So specifically what? The base Amas. So we'll say the base Amas, as we're going to see in just a moment now, are the two Amma measurements. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, La'osan shte Amas, la'hachi kodshi gagin l'shimosh nesinas klei kodesh, hatsrichen l'binyin. See, I will say, you can't do anything sacrificial in the upper stories or rooftops in the base Hamikdash. But what you can do is store utensils necessary for building. is very interesting. Now remember, there's only the only type of utensils you're allowed to you're allowed to store there in the upper stories, in the upper chambers, or rooftops are building utensils. You can't store service utensils there. So what we call kleisharis, which are which are utensils used in karbanas, right, for sacrificial service. That you can't store there, but the upper stories can be used to store building utensils. I will say, listen to how incredible this is and watch the timing. Disnan, beis amis hayu b'shushan habira. Incredible. The two, now I will say beis amis, but it doesn't mean two amis. Beis amis means there were like two, one amma, um, what's the right word? Like rulers, if that's the right word, right? Two, two one amma rulers. You'll see why I need two one amma rulers in just a moment. And they were stored in Shushan Habira. That will say, now what's Shushan Habira? Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Shte Amis, Kane Amida, two rulers that each measured an amma. Hayu Shushan Habira. Vubayis Habanoi Agova Hashar. Kedesam Mesechis Midas. On the, on the eastern gate of the Beis HaMikdash, there was a turret. There was a turret. So we'll say, a turret, Hamish. And the turret was called Shushan Habira. 
Shushan, the capital city. And why was it called Shushan Habira? Listen to how beautiful this is. He says, Va'alav Shushan Habira Tsura Mitsuyaras. There was a, there was a mural of the city of Shushan painted on this turret on the eastern entrance of the base Amikdash. Listen to this. Why do they have a mural of Shushan Habira? Why, why a turret? Who says two things? Number one, on a most basic level, it was Hakara Satov to the Persians, right? It was Hakara Satov well, to the Persian Median Empire. Remember again, it was Koresh, it was Cyrus who allowed for the rebuilding of the Beis Hamikdash. So again, so again, it was Hakara Satov that they allowed ultimately, that they allowed ultimately to go ahead and come into that they allowed them to rebuild. That that was that was number one. But also the words of Rashi are so profound. You know, in life. You always have to know where you come from. You have to know where you come from. And why do you have to know where you come from? Because I was saying, if there's one, we all come from different places and we all have different backgrounds. But I would venture to say, if there's one common denominator in our familial history, it's Mesiras Nefesh. Every family has its story of self sacrifice. And it is incredibly important to know that you are only here because someone before you sacrificed something dramatic. So if you think about this, when you walked into the base Hamikdash and the first thing you saw was Shushan Habira, what did you remember? You remember there was once an Esther Amalka who was a simple young woman who gave up everything, everything for Kalal Yisrael. And you remember there was a Mordechai Tzadik who was willing to put everything on the line ultimately for Kalal Yisrael. Things don't just happen. And what we have in life is because someone, someone, was willing to give everything for something bigger than themselves. We kind of often just roll out of bed and think that everything is just here. And maybe it's because our lives, Baruch Hashem, are a little bit easier. So for many of us, we don't really have all that much Mesiras Nefesh, right? I'll say, for honest, for, for many of us, our greatest Mesiras Nefesh, to be honest, is like getting up early in the morning. But, but there's not that much other Mesiras Nefesh that we often have. In this world, we don't really have to be Moser Nefesh for our Yiddishkeit because Baruch Hashem, we live in, in, we live in blessed times. So what are we Moser Nefesh for? Okay, maybe for Parnas, you have to be Moser Nefesh for. But understand, even if you're not being Moser Nefesh for anything, someone before you was Moser Nefesh. You had to know that. You had to know that. An incredible Gemara. So we'll say, so what happened in the Shushan Abira? So what happens? In the Shushan, so we'll say, it's very interesting. What did they store in Shushan Abira? They stored two rulers, two rulers, each ruler measured an amma. So the Gemara says, Beis Amis Hayu B'Shushan Abira, Achas Al Kerem Mizrachis Tzfonis. One was in the northeast corner, and one was in the southeast corner. Achas Al Kerem Mizrachis Deromis. Zu Sha'al Kerem Mizrachis Tzfonis. Haisi Yisera Al Moshe Chatsi Esva. So we'll say, there was, there was the amma of Moshe. The amma of Moshe, of course, is six Tfachim. They had two rulers. One ruler was a half a finger larger than the Amma of Moshe. That, that was in the northeast corner. And the ruler in the southeast corner, was another half finger larger than that. So what's very interesting? So two rulers. What, the ruler in the northeast corner was a half a finger larger, larger or longer than the Amma of Moshe. The one in the southeast corner was an additional half a finger larger than that. So effectively, it was one finger larger than the Amma of Moshe. 
So we'll say, so why do they have this? Why did they need one that was larger than the other? So the Gemara is supposed to listen to this. This is incredible. If you were a, um, if you were a, uh, an Uma, what's the right word? Not a, um, contractor, contractor, right? So if you were a contractor doing work for the base, I mean, you're supposed to listen to how this happened. When you got your price for your job, the, the price you gave was based on the smaller amma. But when you delivered the final product, you had to deliver based on what? On what? On the larger amma. Now, now, why did they do this? So the Gemara says, Now, they did this in order that no one should come to Me'ilo. So, you, so you, you contracted the job at the smaller amma. That's what you would get paid based on. But you would deliver based on the larger amma. Ultimately, again, to avoid mi'ila. So the Gemara Sivatarti Lama says, still, but why do I need two, why do I need two, why, one that was half a finger, one that was a whole finger? The kaspa v'dava, achas kaspa v'dava, achas l'binyara. One ultimately, again, was for gold and silver, and one was for general building materials. So for gold and silver, they would only use the ama measure that was a half a finger larger than Moshe's. And ultimately, again, for other building materials, which are not expensive, they used the one that was a full finger larger. So again, we'll say, so we'll say, I want to point out something amazing over here. What you see from here also is that building for the Beis HaMikdash was not a for-profit venture, right? Why did you build for the Beis HaMikdash? We'll say, you built for the Beis HaMikdash, why? Because it was a privilege to be selected to build for the Beis HaMikdash. And I will say, what an incredible paradigm for involvement in klal and communal work. There is a, it is a privilege to serve. It is a privilege to serve a gila. It's a privilege to serve a community. It's a privilege to be involved. You know, very often we're very utilitarian in like what we get involved in. What, 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 what do, which, which is natural. We usually have this approach in most things like, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? So what's this? You can imagine here's a craftsman, a contractor, a contractor. He could be building whatever it is and here he's going to build to the base of English and I will say, Bepashtos, not even at a break even, Bepashtos, he's probably even going to take a loss. Why would anyone ever take a job in which they're going to be at a loss? Because it's a privilege to serve, because it is a privilege to be involved in building something that is bigger than you. Because those who go ahead and just spend their lives building up themselves end up with a gaping hole inside of their neshama. But those who, yes, build themselves, but also find the time and find the resources to build something bigger than themselves, even though it doesn't fill up one's pocket, that's where true fulfillment in life comes from. An incredible yisod. So the goes weiter. Tanan hachalonos v'aviachama kilifnim. So as we learned in the Mishnah, on our Mishnah, so we'll say. So therefore, again, what you see over here is. I just want to point out. It's all dramatic. What you see over here is Rav's statement. This all comes back to Rav's statement. And Rav's statement was that alochalamaisa upper stories and rooftops are not kodesh. They don't. They're not consecrated. They're not sanctified. That's true in the city of Yerushalayim, and it's true in the Beis Hamikdash compound as well. Now the Mishnah said, So windows, right? The width of windows and the width of the wall are considered to be like the interior of Yerushalayim. This was our Mishnah on Pehem days. I understand the windows because also you could have a window that is like a floor. To, we'll call it like a floor to ceiling window or a floor a window that begins at the floor and goes up. So I understand when you tell me that the window itself is considered to be like the interior. As the Gemara says, the Shavila Karka Azoro, Elo Ovia Homa Hechimish Kachasla. 
what's the case of the thickness of the wall? To which the Gemara says, it's actually very interesting. Look at Rashi. So we'll say, when we talk about the thickness of the wall, so when is the thickness of the wall usable? When you're on top of the wall. So we're on top of the wall. So now you're telling me that the top of the wall has the status of the interior of Yerushalayim. That the top of the wall has the status of the interior of the base of Mekdash. So then obviously the tops, the upper areas, are Kodesh. So the Bosa, this is actually very interesting. The Gemara says, no. And Meshkach Bebar Shura. So we'll say, Bar Shura, interestingly enough, means a lower wall. But what it really means, is actually very interesting, is a retaining wall. So we'll say, so remember again, so just if you're at any time that you're building on a slope, so often you have to go ahead and you have to build a retaining wall, right? To kind of build out, I don't know what the technical terms are, but to build out, Silva's example, we'll say, is, is the Beis HaMikdash. When you go to the coastal today, so if you're down by the coastal, you're not davening by a wall of the Beis HaMikdash. That's not, I don't mean to, right? That's not a wall of the Beis HaMikdash. That is the remainder of a retaining wall that Herod built. So re- remember, again, the, the Harabayis is a har, it's a mountain. It's difficult to build on a mountain because you only have a very small amount of, of, of area. What did Herod do? It's amazing what he did. He, he trucked in probably tons and tons of dirt, built retaining walls around the Harabayis, filled in the entire area with dirt and leveled it out. Leveled it out. Let's say that's why if you ever go, let's say to Harazesim, and you look down on Harabayis, you'll notice the topography of Harabayis does not make sense with the surrounding areas, right? What's Harabayis? What's in Harabayis now? It's like a big, flat rectangle. Doesn't make any sense. Everything else around it is mountains and valleys. How is it that there is this huge rectangle in the middle of Yerushalayim? The answer is because it was artificially made. That's thanks to Herod. I mean, after he wiped out the entire Sanhedrin, right? But again, he felt bad. This is what, this is what happened. He felt bad. So he goes ahead and he builds. So I'll say, so what we have with the Kosal today is one of the remaining retaining walls. So the Gemara says, perhaps the case, perhaps the case of the, of the top of a wall, which is Kodesh, is a retaining wall. Because you all say, what happens with a retaining wall? The top of a retaining wall is often flush with what? With what? With the ground. That's the top of a wall, ultimately, again, that has the status of the Beis HaMikdash. So that's the top of the wall that has the status of Yerushalayim. So the Gemara just supports this. Quotes over here, the Pasek from Eicha, and the Pasek says that literally, again, the Chel and the Choma will both go ahead and mourn. What's the Chel and the Choma? The Choma is a wall. What's the Chel? The Chel is a retaining wall. Good. So it turns out that bottom line, the Gemara does accept the position of Rav, which is really quite fascinating, which tells us that rooftops and upper chambers in Yerushalayim, do not have the do not have the holiness of Yerushalayim, and in the base Hamikdash do not have the holiness of the Mikdash, which tells me that in Yerushalayim we'll say carbon Pesach must be eaten. Well, it's very interesting. Must be eaten on the ground floor, which is interesting because when Mashiach comes, there's a lot of apartment buildings in in Yerushalayim. So it'll be very interesting to see what Eliyahu Navi is going to tell us to do. So if you live in an apartment building, where do you eat your carbon Pesach? To the Pashtas, it's not, it's not, it's not clear. But at least according to the Gemara here, ground level. Based on Mikdash, 
Upper stories, rooftops do not have, do not have Kiddusha, therefore can't eat Kachim, 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 Kalim there, can't Shecht, Kachim, Kadashim. What can it be used for? Storage of building utensils. Incredible, says the Mishnah. If you have two Chaburas that were eating in one home, so I will say what this literally means is as follows. We're going to see what this really means is you have one group for Kavim Pesach, one group, the one Chavra, one Chabura, they went into a home and effectively divided into two groups. So they have one carbon Pesach, one group. They started off as one group. They go into them, they divide off into two groups. So, so what the Mishnah essentially says is, even if you start off as one Chabura, if you enter into a home and want to split off into two Chaburas, that's fine. That's fine, to the point that even they look like two Chaburas, right? Chevra one goes over here, they turn their heads in this direction. Chevra two goes over there, they turn their heads in a second direction, that's okay. Even if the hot water urn is in the middle. And I will say, what is the hot water urn? That's how they would dilute their wine, right? So they would take some wine concentrate, you'd have the hot water. So the hot water urn in the middle there is another physical barrier, physical separation. So when the shamish goes, now say, now there was a waiter. There was a waiter. Now the waiter usually was one of, was, he was also a guy who was part of one of the chaburas, the Jewish waiter. So he's part of one of the chaburas. So we'll say, so the waiter has to get up from his chabura and go over to the other chabura. But when he does so, kofetz es piv umachzir es panav chabura. So he must make sure to keep his mouth closed. Right? Literally, literally, keep his mouth closed. And after he finishes, so we'll say, let's say, for example, the Shamish is part of Chabura A. So now he's got to serve Chabura B also. When he gets up and goes over there, he should serve. He should keep his mouth closed. Now, why should he keep his mouth closed? Because as we're going to see, we don't want it to look like that he's eating Karban Pesach in two places. Right? So he has to keep his mouth closed. And as soon as he finishes serving Chabura B, he should turn his head back in the direction of his own Chabura. Mm-hmm. And a Kalo, if she's embarrassed. Rashi points out over here, this is like a Cheva Brachas. A Cheva Brachas, everybody looks at the Kalo. The Kalo may self feel self-conscious about eating. She could turn away and eat in private. Now we'll see exactly what the ramifications of that halacha actually are. So I will say, what comes out from this mission is a very important principle, which is that you could have one large Chabura, and that Chabura is permitted to split off into two smaller Chaburas. Two smaller chaburas. That, that's, that's the idea of the Mishnah. Says the Gemara, Masnisin money, whose opinion is our Mishnah Rabbi Hudihi? The Sanyo, Alabatim, Alabatim Asher Yochlu Osobahem. So what does it mean, Alabatim Asher Yochlu Osobahem? Malamid, Shapesach Nechal Bishtei Chaburas. It teaches me that Halach Lamaisa Pesach can be eaten in two groups. Now, Bosse, look at Rashi. Alabatim Asher Yochlu Osobahem. Mashma, Shnei Bene Adam Ochlem Pesach Echod. So we'll what this tells you is that you could have a group that's, that was one cohesive group for Kavim Pesach and then at the time of consumption they choose to eat in two locations. So the Chiddush being that one Karban Pesach can be consumed 
in two locations. However, you might have thought that one person could eat in two locations. No, that you can't do. Therefore, the Pasuk says in one home it shall be eaten. So both say, so this is very important. This is Shita's Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda holds you can have one Chabura split into two Chaburas, divide up the carbon Pesach, and eat the same carbon in two different locations. That's okay. What can't you have? What can't you have? You can't have one person eating in two locations. So if the Chaburah wants to split into two, that's fine. You got to choose a team, right? You got to choose. You have to either be with A or B. You can't eat. So again, we'll say here, you can take one carbon, split it into two, and eat it in two locations. Either that's two actual locations or just two Chaburahs in one home. But every person must choose a location. You can't have one person eating in two homes. Mikanamur from here, we said... If the shamish ate the kezayis of Karim Pesach by the side of the oven, so if he's a smart guy, he better eat his fill, his fill where he is because he can't subsequently go to eat anywhere else. And if the other members of the Chabura want to be nice to him, they could come sit next to him. So Rabbi Huda holds that one Chabura could split off into two and eat in two different locations. That's okay. But one person cannot eat in two locations. So the Chabura could split but everybody has to choose one location where they are going to eat the carbon based. Rabbi Shimon or Rabbi Shimon says, both said the opposite. This is incredible. What does it mean, the homes in which you will eat? In it, Wow. Rabbi Shimon says, one person could eat in two locations. One person could eat in two locations. Amit Beis. So you might have thought that what? That Allah Chalamaisa the Pesach can be eaten in two Chaburos. The Pasik says, in one home it shall be eaten. So now watch this. Comes along Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Shimon says like this, just the opposite. He says, carbon Pesach could only be eaten in one location. You can't divide a carbon amongst two locations. One carbon, one location. But what can happen? One individual, once the carbon has a set location, then what, say? Then what? One person could eat in multiple locations. <laughs> Fascinating. So Rabbi Hud is saying, Rabbi Hud is saying, the carbon itself could be divided amongst two locations. But every person must choose a location. One person can't eat in more, more than one location. Rabbi Shimon is just the opposite. The carbon must have one address. But once the carbon has one address, any individual member of the Chabura could eat in more than one location. But my forget about what are they arguing about? Rabbi Huda Savayesh, was the third line down, pay Baba Mudez. Rabbi Huda Savayesh, Rabbi Huda holds, Yesh Eim Lamasoras. Rabbi Shimon Savayesh, Eim Lamik. Rabbi Huda what are they arguing about? So the Bosa, this we see this machlok is very often Yesh Eim Lamasoras, Yesh Eim Lamikra means when you look at a particular word, is the word dashing based on how it's written, or is the word dashing based on how it's said? So I will say, very simply put, just because of time, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, Babayis Echad Yeachel. So I will say, is Yeachel or Yochel, ultimately, again, is that referring to the Karban Pesach, or is that referring to the individual? When it says, Bayis Echad Yochel, or Bayis Echad Yeachel, in one home it shall be eaten, that's a reference. If you hold Yeachel, that it should ultimately, again, be looked at as to ultimately again how it is how it is written. So bias echad bias echad yochal. 
Again, every reference to the individual, right? The individual can only eat in one home. As opposed to Ye'achel, ultimately, again, Rabbi Shimon will say, the carbon itself must be only eaten in one home, but the individual could eat in as many homes as he would like. So I will say, this is the fundamental Maklokis, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi, who then all comes, is all based on how you've dashed in the word Ye'achel. Essentially, is it a reference to the individual or is it a reference to the karba? When it says it shall be eaten in one home, is the one home halacha on the individual or the one home halacha on the karban? Rabbi Shimon will say the one home halacha is on the karban. The karban must have a home, must have one address. You can't divide up a karban, one address. Once the carbon has one address, the individual members of the Chabura could eat wherever they want. Rabbi Huda will say no, just the opposite. The carbon could actually have more than one address, but the individual could only eat in one location. Dramatic machlokas. So let's listen to this interesting case. Let's say there's one Chabura. Listen to this case. One Chabura, one group of guys sitting together. I mean, guys, you know, one, one, one group. And what happens? And then somebody puts up a mechitza, right? There's always that guy who has to put up a mechitza, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so what happens? The chabura is sitting and they put up a mechitza amongst the group. So both say, see now, what's the shayla? Does the, does the placement of the mechitza disrupt the chabura? So now watch this. So according to Rabbi Hudu holds that no problem. One Pesach, one carbon could be divided up amongst two chaburas. Ochlin. The emergence of a mechitza is not a big deal. So, say, so if you can imagine, if we're, watch, watch this case. Let's say we're all one chabur eating karm pesach together. And some guy decides he learned a new chumrah. He places, he places a mechitza right down the middle over here. So, we'll say, so does that stare our consumption of karm pesach? So according to Rabbi Huda, who holds that halacha lamaisa, one, one chabur could split off into two chaburas in order to pesach could be eaten in two locations, the appearance of the mechitza does not share the consumption of the Karim Pesach. However, Omer, this is Rabbi Shimon, but according to Rabbi Shimon, the Holzer both said that what? One carbon cannot be consumed in two locations. Right? The Karim Pesach must have an address. Then what? Then ultimately again, Enochlin, then Enochinami, Alochelamaisa, we could, you could not continue eating the Karba Pesach. Pretty incredible. Similarly, the reverse case. Let's say you have two Chaburus, two Chaburus eating in one location with a Mechitza between them. The Mechitza separating the two Chaburus. What happens? According to the opinion who said that an individual could eat in more than one location, then Ochlin, then it's fine. Because they're going to say, what happens now? With the removal of the Mechitza, suddenly again, I'm eating in a new location. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, sorry, according to Rabbi Shimon, who holds that Allah Maisa, you could eat a carbon Pesach in more than one location, that an individual could eat in multiple locations, not a problem. But according to the opinion, Ayy Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that Allah Maisa, you can't eat in more than one location, the removal of the Mechitza, would actually preclude you from continuing to eat your carbon Pesach. So this is actually pretty incredible. Yosef Rav Kana Kapashet Mifshat. So Rav Kana said this kind of as just a Dabr Pashat, as, as a declarative statement. It was Pashat. Or in Rav Kahana's version, there was no Machlokas about this. Only Rav Ashi, Rav Kana, Viti Bailacha. It's not a statement. It's a Kasha. So the Gemara said, Viti Bailacha, Ibai Silat Mechitza, Vasias Mechitza, Mehavi Kabez Makamos, Kabez Chaburos. 
Does the placement of the mechitza or the removal of the mechitza make it into two chaburas or one chaburas? And ultimately, again, and the answer is teiku. We're not sure. So Rabbi say the way the Gemara ends off over here is a machlokis between Rabbi Dershon. Rabbi I just want to point out, this is such an incredibly profound Yisraelistic machlokis. According to Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda holds, Bebayis Echad Yeachel is a din in the individual. When I eat carbon Pesach, I must eat carbon Pesach in one location. One location. Now, the carbon itself could be divided. So if we're all one big chabura and we decide, you know what, we don't all want to eat together, you could divide the Pesach into two, right? And each chabura will go on its own. But you must choose a place to have your current Pesach and you cannot eat your current Pesach in two locations. Right? Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon says, no, the carbon itself must have one address. One address. There's no such thing as dividing up a carbon amongst the chabura into two. The carbon itself must have one address and that is it. Now, once the carbon has one address, interestingly enough, what could happen after that? Individuals can then go ahead and eat at multiple locations, which is quite fascinating. That's Machlokis. So what says, we're going to see the Rambam Paskins like Rabbi Huda, namely that one Chabura could divide into two, dividing the carbon between them. But Allah Chalamaisi, you cannot eat your carbon in multiple locations. You can only consume your carbon Pesach in one address. Allah Chalamaisa, we paskin like Rabbi Huda. Let's go back to our boss just for another minute. So we'll say, so the Kalo could turn away while eating. Now we'll say, now love Dafku that this is a din in carbon Pesach, but this just seems to be a general din in meal etiquette, but by carbon Pesach as well. Why? Because the Kalo is embarrassed. You know, she's the center of attention and she wants to eat. But she doesn't want to eat with everybody looking at her, so she could turn away. So the Gemara says, Rav Huna Bari Dravnasan, Ikola Bira Nachmas. Well, this is a great story. Great story. So Rav Huna Bari Dravnasan went to the house of Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. So Amulei Mashmecha. So they said to him, What's your name? What's your name? So he said, My name, my name, Amulei Rav Huna. He said, my name is Rafuna. Now, I want to point out something very interesting over here. If, if you, well, actually, we'll get to it in just a moment. Amalu Rafuna. Amru Mesiv Marapuria. So they invited him to sit down. They invited him to sit down. So Yosef, he sat down. Yavulekasa, they gave him something to drink. Kabli Bechad Zimna. So he went ahead and he accepted the offer to drink, the first offer. Vishasi betrays him and he drank the glass of wine in two gulps. And he did not turn his head away while he drank. So they were a little surprised at Rafuna's behavior. You'll see in just a moment why. They said, first of all, why do they call you Rafuna? That's my name. That's my name. And I want to point out something interesting. Look at Rashi. This is incredible. It's such a life-changing Gemara. Throughout my life, learning Gemara, you see Rafuna, you see what does Rafuna mean? Rabbi Huna. No. That was his name. That was his name. They named him Rab. You want to talk about like parental pressure to become something great, right? They named him Rav. They named that, that was his name, Ravuna. Ravuna. I mean, that, his name was Ravuna. So that's my name from the time I was young. My time off. All right, you know what? We'll have to stop over here. I'm leaving a little bit of a cliffhanger. It's a great story. We're going to start with this Amir Tashem tomorrow. We'll finish up the Parak Amir Tashem tomorrow as well. We'll say, Yashakaya.